What's poppin'? It's QU Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White. I'm alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall. So here we are, getting on into week four. Derek Carr might be good at football. The Chargers might finally be good at football. The Rams are really good at football. Ben Roethlisberger still blows. I'm 0-3 in fantasy, and so is the city of East Rutherford, the Lions, and the Colts. So let's get after it, boys. How are we doing? Justin, how's your day going? You know, it, it's a pretty okay day. That intro, like, really lit me up, though. You're getting me hyped for this week of football. So excited to get started. I need something to distract me from the Phillies right now. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, Kevin, on the other hand, I'm sure the Yankees have been fun to watch for yourself. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been fun for me to watch, you know, taking strolls outside, thinking of the postseason, potentially October, cool, crisp air with the leaves coming down, man. Good vibes, good vibes going. Awesome. Uh, Marshall, how was class? How's your meeting? How are you? It was good. Um, yeah, I don't think I can top Kevin with uh, setting the scenery and just that very vivid description. So I think we'll end on that. All right. Sounds good. Uh, did you get a haircut, by the way, or am I missing that? Did I get a haircut? Yeah. Yes, I did. Oh, look at that. Even over Zoom, Whitey still got it. Okay. Not only That's... over Zoom, but for those on podcast, Marshall was wearing a hat and Andrew asked if he had a haircut. So <laughs> I was very confused about that. But he was all right. He was right. I could tell by the sides, man. I could tell by the sides. Anywho, let's get after it. We're going to do all football today, except for the first question. The NBA is brewing a little bit. Now, if you've been tuning in frequently, you've heard Kevin himself and basically every episode with the idea that, you know, he, he is hopeful for the next season opener because he's basically quit on the NFL already, uh, which makes sense as an East Rutherford fan, because that is what I'm going to call it. But the NBA, as it's beginning, the Eastern Conferences and the Western Conferences, we are going to make our top eight predictions for both. We recognize this is super early. They just started training two days ago. Ben Simmons may not play. There's a whole lot of weirdness going on with vaccinations and such, but we're not going to talk about that. Just our predictions. And Justin, why don't you start it all off? Send us your eight for each. Yeah, sure. For the East, you know, I'm not feeling the Bucks at the top. I never consider the Bucks that like top regular season team. I know they're going to be a threat as always, but. I have the Nets being my number one team in the East, followed by the lack of identity 76ers who will figure it out at some point very soon. I have the Hawks as my number three team out of the East, was the hottest team in the NBA in the second half once they got rid of their coach. So I expect success. And I have the champion Bucks as my four seed in the East, bringing up the fifth seed. I have the Heat, six seed Celtics, Seventh seed, full on game changing Bulls. And the eighth seed, I will give it to Kev's New York Knicks to slip their way in there. And on the Western Conference, I'm going once again with the Jazz. I don't think there's much that's changed. They'll still be an elite regular season team. I will have the Suns as the number two team. The Nuggets, once they have all of their players back in shape, should be a very good number three team. The Splash Brothers, Golden State Warriors, as my number four team right now. I'm sure Andrew will probably say it's his number one. Um, at the uh, five seed, I have the Lakers, which would be a fun one Warriors-Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. You could see LeBron have another first round exit. I have the Clippers as the sixth seed. 
Hopefully they'll be able to make it back with Kawhi being out for a long point of the season. The Mavericks at seven, and I'm assuming Damian Lillard's going to be there. So I'm going to give the Trailblazers eight. All right. All right. I dig that. And you will be surprised. My worry, not my Warriors. I'm not a fan of them. I just think they're good. The Warriors for me are at two. I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you later. But Marshall, you are up next. Uh, eight spots for each, East and West. So I just viewed this as who do you like in the top eight, not what That's are fair. your top eight. That's fair. So That's the fair. two teams I like, one is yours. I like the Warriors as well. I think that, I mean, is Clay going to get hurt for the third straight year? I would guess no. Um, if so, that sucks. I don't know what to say. Um, but I don't think he's going to get a dramatic injury again. Uh, basketball uh, injury rates are much lower than than football ones, but higher than baseball ones. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that the young pieces, I mean, like, why is going to look better? I think that they're just going to gel. I think Draymond still got some in the tank, and I just think that they're the splash bros for the reason, for a certain reason. You need Clay Thompson. And I think that the Nuggets, Kevin, I'm still in your team as well. I think the Nuggets, you know, especially, you know, Michael Porter just got extended. So with Porter, you know, Jokic did everything without Jamal Murray. Now, is there a Ewing theory potential to – Jamal Murray like are the Nuggets better with him I would say no from going back to what we saw in the bubble I think that there is a way to really like complement that and then with Michael Porter's you know continued rise I think those pieces around Jokic could be really really interesting and then for the East you know like the obvious like I think this team should be by far and away the the number one title team I think they're going to win this year I think the Brooklyn Nets um, you look at he- teams historically with this level of talent, Miami Heat didn't win it year one. You can go back, you know, years and years, but that second year really with, with even that level of talent and the way that they lost in the Eastern conference finals or in the Eastern conference semifinals was kind of fluky in a way. And it was injury dependent. I mean, if this team's healthy, like what the bucks aren't going to beat them, like, like the Sixers, like they're, they're dealing with their stuff. So, I mean, I think they're going to walk through the Eastern conference, um, and, you know, I like Indiana too, but like not as like a watch out for them. It's not as a watch out for them. I just like, like them better than consensus. All righty. And Kevin for yourself. All right. So I think I might do a quick order first and then maybe a breakdown, but I'm going to do for Eastern conference in order, Milwaukee one, Brooklyn two, Atlanta three, Philadelphia four, New York five, Miami six, Toronto seven, and then I have Chicago eight. Western Conference, I have Phoenix one, Utah two, Denver three. I have the LA Lakers four. I have the LA Clippers five. I have Golden State six. I have Dallas seven. I have Portland eight, but I'm not that high on Portland this year. I think the Houston Rockets could contend for a playoff spot, and I'm contemplating subbing Portland out for Houston. Uh, I don't have the Celtics in. I'm a little low on the Celtics. I don't think they have the depth in years past. As much as I want Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to get the team in the playoffs, I don't know if they have enough help. Um, so many so many teams in the West, I mean, there's the Jamal Murray injury. Kawhi Leonard's going to be out for an extended period of time with his knee injury. Clay is going to be hurt temporarily, but then come back. There's a lot of moving pieces. And then also, too, I think the Lakers potentially – they could be in that three or four seed, but I have reservations about the, them getting beyond 
the second round of the playoffs in the Western Conference. Okay. Surprising team in week number three of the NFL. That's what we're talking about now. We're getting into the NFL. We do this every week. Your surprising team of week three, Marshall, for you. I'm going Philadelphia, and it's because they ran the ball like two times, which is absolutely shocking to me, given the personnel on Dallas. I mean, like, you don't have Demarcus Lawrence in there, who's like one of the better, like, interior backside run defenders in the league. You basically are playing like two, three techs who aren't, you know, they're not like players who just take on blocks and eat blocks. Um, you know, and like you have Parsons and like those linebackers, but realistically, the fact that they didn't run the ball more is weird and pretty concerning to me because like you had the you had the players to do it. Like you have a right side of the line with Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Landon Dickerson at right guard. So and Stout, you know, Jeff Stoutland, their own line coach, is like he's pretty well respected. Like he does usually do things that make sense. Um, but I I was just pretty shocked that with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, like against the what Dallas was specifically doing, um, just the fact that they didn't run it more. Um, and I know they're a base cover three team, but I mean, my God, like you, you, you can still run against like plus boxes, like with what they're doing and they just didn't do it. And Justin, as the Philly fan yourself, and then your surprise uh, week three team. Yeah, I think I've talked for a while about that whole like free Aaron Jones, free Joe Mixon, like give them the touches. That's definitely how I felt about Miles Sanders for the past few years as well. And I feel like I thought under a different coaching regimen that maybe Sanders would get the touches he deserves because I think he is a 20 touch per game running back. I do think he will probably have, if he gets the touches, a better career than Saquon Barkley will. And I've said that before on the show, but he's just not getting the touches. It's either he's either they're running the ball and Kenneth Gainwell is getting just as many touches as him. And he's a great receiving back. Don't get me wrong, but Sanders really should be a three down back and he's just not being given that opportunity at this point. Um, I think Philly thought that maybe they had Trayvon Diggs's number in that game because Trayvon Diggs was so unsuccessful against Philly last season, but the rookie improved. I mean, what's to be expected from one of the Diggs brothers? It, it's bound to happen. So I'm very shocked that Philly chose to give up on game pace in a game that they knew was going to most likely be high scoring. And that's what really spiraled it out of, proportion in my opinion is they just never had the ball in their hands on offense because it was Jalen Hurts taking deep shots down the field but as far as my team for the week I'm pretty impressed by the Bengals at this point I was kind of talking about them last week as I was thinking that maybe they're a fringe wild card team but beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh I don't care like how bad Big Ben looks I would have expected him to win this game just because the Steelers are a good team at home. I would have never expected Mike Tomlin to like coach a game where they would fail in this capacity. And that's in part because they were without Deontay Johnson. They lost Juju in the game. Chase Claypool, I'm pretty sure, got hurt at one point and came back into the game. So they just had a lot going on. Um, Najee Harris was the only bright spot on that team. He led, he read, he led all fantasy running backs this past week in fantasy points. So he's finally getting an opportunity with like 14 receptions or whatever he had in that game. But Joe Burrow, honestly, I don't think Burrow has looked amazing this season. I don't think he's as looked good as he did at the beginning of last season. 
but the team is still performing well. And Joe Mixon, like I said, has finally been freed. I said when Giovanni Bernard was out of there and headed to Tampa that Joe Mixon would get those opportunities, and he definitely has. And he's looked like the top running back that everyone's expected to see out of him for his five whatever many seasons he's been in the league. So I'm pretty optimistic about the Bengals considering they beat the Steelers and T. Higgins wasn't even on the field. Jamar Chase was the only guy was the only main wide receiver out there. No disrespect to Tyler Boyd. He's just definitely the wide receiver three on that team. But yeah, I'm I'm loving Cincinnati. I'm really ready to say they're a wild card contender for sure. And Kevin, you're surprised week three team. For me, it's the Chargers going into Kansas City and winning because even though they were one and one going into Kansas City, they hadn't scored north of 20 points in either of their games. So I was worried. I was thinking, well, you know, is this a sophomore slump from Justin Herbert? You know, kind of having like so-so two first games. You know, you have Mike Williams, you have Keenan Allen, but you don't really have a solid three receiver. And then also to your third option kind of beyond or fourth option is kind of like Jared Cook, who, you know, isn't, you know, what he was, you could say even like four years ago. And I was fretting a little bit. I thought Kansas City was going to light them up, but they won. They scored 30 points and they only limited Kansas City to 24. So I think the Chargers now, they could be a player, but they're in a, like, I don't know, just like a, a struggle of a, of a division right there. I mean, Denver is looking really good now after three weeks or so. But I think it's leading to real questions about Kansas City, which, you know, we might get to later on. But I like what they're doing with Herbert. I thought it was a sophomore slump, but it looks like he's turning it around quick. So also improves my fantasy football chances. But lost this week, though, by five points. So kind of annoying, but, you know, no biggie. Made one substitution. I could have won, but, you know. We, we have all been there. That is that is for certain. And just out of curiosity for you guys, I don't know if you watched the end of that Chargers-Chiefs game. What do you think of Staley taking the ball downfield and choosing to score that touchdown instead of sitting on the ball with 40 seconds left and Patrick Mahomes having the opportunity? On top of that, the kicker then misses the kick, which made it look like that Kansas City was going to have like the kind of game they had against Cleveland. But I'm just interested in your guys' thoughts on that. I think it was the right move to actually go for the touchdown. Make sure you get the guaranteed as many points as you can against Patrick Mahomes. But what do you guys think? I feel like there, I, cause I, I see what you're saying, but I think the, you just need to, the, the chargers are known for, for blowing it um, in, in late in the game. And I feel like it, you, it's better to blow it once you got it than blowing it before you got it if that makes sense. So I feel like it was better for them to just kind of send it. And if they lose after that, that's classic LA, but you got to just go for it. I mean, for me, I kind of was stunned at first. I was like, what are they doing? Like, how do you not sit on the ball? But then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. But if it's a close game, chargers are going to charger. So I was kind of like mildly happy that they went for it and that they just ran the ball down because I was just thinking like, geez, um, even if they hold it, I just, I feel like they would just do another four and out and then Patrick Mahomes gets the ball with like 30 seconds or something. So I was actually kind of fretting that. Uh, moving to further, actually, I'll, I'll tell you mine. So I've been high on the Rams for a while as my dark horse to win the Super Bowl, but I did not think they were going to put up that many points against the Buccaneers. I'll, I'll be honest about that one. 34 points, they were riding it. I mean, Cup and and Stafford were just 
I mean, it was touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. The, the Buccaneers just couldn't do anything about it, the, basically the whole game. And uh, it was it was alarming. And it was probably a pretty big wake-up call to, uh, to certain believers, I'm sure. But it also could be a fluke. But that offense was clicking. Um, it, was, it was a surprise, for sure. Now the surprising week three players uh, are who? What are we going to go with? Uh, Justin, for you first. So... As everyone knows, Josh Jacobs was out this week. And out of nowhere, Peyton Barber, little remembered name from the Washington football team, comes out and has 23 carries for 111 yards against Miami's defense. I I don't know what kind of dark dimension wormhole, like what if Marvel TV show level universe, multiverse we're in that Peyton Barber looked good. Um, But that kind of just sums up the Raiders season. For some reason, everyone on the team just looks different this year. So great coaching by them to get Peyton Barber to all of a sudden learn how to run the football well. And I I don't think he's going to do it again, but good for him for having his shining moment. Marshall, you're a surprising player. I guess I have two. One, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, because I'm very surprised that he's still playing. Um, so that's, that's the first surprising one. Um, and number two, Big Ben, not because, like, I didn't think he was washed, but I thought he would just be good at the beginning of the season. Not good, but, like, okay. And just functioning towards the end, like, the wheels would completely come off. But the wheels are coming off right now. So I guess I'm just surprised at the timing of it. Um, I mean, they also don't have – you know, they don't have an offensive tackle on their team, which is a problem. So, but yeah, I thought Ben, you know, just someone as experienced as him would at least create like an average offense with the surrounding pieces. But I mean, if you look at like the target distribution and just everything about that game, it makes zero sense. And it's terrible, honestly, to watch. And, and speaking of, he threw the ball 58 times in that game and and i saw something else too i'm pretty sure i read this correctly 18 of them which is more tosses than some people even in the nfl for a whole game were all behind the line of scrimmage so uh (laughs) big ben clearly afraid as he should be because he is horrendous kevin your week three surprise player well can i comment on that i I saw a clip on twitter um because i wasn't tuned into the game at the moment but he was it looked like he was trying to roll out like a little semi bootleg going to his right a little bit, but he threw the ball like falling downish, And then he just completely fell down. Kind of like, kind of like when we were playing flag football and you know, if you got like a mud spot in like the turf or the grass and you just slipped on the mud because you weren't wearing cleats. Like that's what it looked like. It was like he wasn't wearing cleats and he hit a mud spot in the turf. So I was just kind of like stunned because it almost looked like a lifeless body kind of like falling like from like a truck or something. And but there was, there was no mud and he had cleats. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's Ben Rossesberger, everybody. Um, no, I mean, for me, Derrick Henry now, not in that shocking that, wow, Derrick Henry is good at football, <laughs> but that he actually, I think at this point could be a dark horse MVP candidate. Derrick Henry so far, he has 353 rushing yards it's tied for the third most in Titans team history through three weeks. And if you remember that first week where we were talking about the Titans and how they were going away from the RPO and how, 
you know, Ryan Tannehill's kind of getting exposed a little bit or how we felt like, you know, or at least how I felt like he wasn't, you know, the franchise QB some people thought he was. And now they're going back to the RPO stuff and relying on the run. And Derrick Henry is changing the fortunes of that team in a weak division. They're at the top largely because of his efforts. So I know you don't usually give the MVP to a running back, but in terms of value for a team, I, I, I think there's very few people in the NFL who are as valuable for their team as Derrick Henry's been so far. Kirk Cousins is kicking butt right now in the NFL. And is he legit? I think he's legit, possibly because he has a lot of weapons and Dalvin Cook or Madison can take away some of the pressure from him. But I have been a little sick of the Kirk Cousins slander for years. Granted, his contract was quite large, but he's been living up to it. I think he's quite good and legit. And I think it's about time we give the man that barely cusses ever a little bit of love. The Mr. Dad dance in the end zone should get some love. But that's my take. Justin, how about you? You know, I'm mostly in on Kirk Cousins at this point. I've said on the Chubacabra sports blog that I think he's an every week starter now as far as fantasy concerns go. He's usually like the top um, bi-week option, but now he's definitely elevated himself to every week starter possibility. I think the problem is with this team is I think they're probably the Dallas Cowboys of this season compared to last season in the fact that this defense is going to let up points week after week Kirk Cousins is going to have to keep scoring in the 30s if he wants to compete I mean letting up 27 to the Bengals 34 to the Cardinals they held the Seahawks pretty well in check in 17 but even that game the defense looked like they were struggling out there so I'm a bit concerned about what the defense is going to do going forward I think it's going to cause Kirk Cousins to have to continue throwing a lot if the Vikings somehow reach the playoffs this season, which I think is doubtful due to the defense, Kirk Cousins, I'm pretty sure, has like dark horse MVP candidate alongside Derrick Henry, like Kev said, just because Cousins is going to get a lot of volume and a lot of opportunities to throw that ball. And, and like you said, Andrew, he has a lot of weapons. He even made Tyler Conklin look good this past week at tight end. <laughs> um, and if you can make Tyler Conklin look good, and who's I would consider mainly a blocking tight end, uh, I'm willing to open the door to Kirk Cousins having an MVP possible season. Marshall, are you open to, to giving the Kirky that, that, that same title? Uh, yeah, I'm open to giving – like he is the quarterback who he's like – he's always been. I mean, he might be getting like slightly better. Um, he's basically the bet. here's the thing I don't understand. If you compare him to Baker Mayfield, he's pretty much just better than Baker. Like he's more athletic. He can throw crossbody off of boot action uh, better than Baker. I think he's a little smarter than Baker. But then you have these people who are just like they think there's a gap, and it's actually in the opposite direction. I think like Baker's way better than Kirk. Um, I don't know what you're looking at because like Kirk's on the worst Browns. He's on you know Baker's on the better Vikings. He's on the rich man's Vikings and like everywhere. <laughs> um, and I think Kirk is more competitive than like the demeanor that we think. Cause everyone's like, Oh shucks. He's just a dad. No, this guy like is a competitor. Like he really is. Um, he's just, it's all relative to what you have. Like if you're drafting pick five, you don't necessarily want to pick Kirk cousins. Um, you want to pick Josh Allen. Um, you know, like he's not the dream, like Josh Allen, Herbert Mahomes, like those guys are the dream. If you have those guys, you do backflips, they break schemes, they break the game. 
Uh, I wrote my notes that you lather yourself in baby oil if you have those quarterbacks, but with Kirk Cousins, you do not. Right, right. Oh, that's what you were going to end on. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, you your, th- your thoughts on Cousins. I'm sorry. That threw me off. I didn't know you were going to uh, Kevin, go on. Oh, wow. wow. Um, <laughs> whew, um, no, so in terms of the context of the question, is he legit this season? Yes, I do think he's legit this season in the context of top 15 starter. Yes, better than Baker Mayfield. Maybe even like a guy who, depending on how it shakes out, could crack into like 11 or 12 or maybe even 10 in some cases if like a starter doesn't pan out or two. Um, But as a franchise QB, again, like I've always felt that he's like, a Tannehill, Derek Carr type of quarterback where he's like a lower end starter. So, you know, this upcoming year, like after this year, actually, no. Yeah. After this upcoming year, the Vikings have him for one more year. Um, Despite how well he's playing, the Vikings might have to look to trade him because if you're looking at Minnesota right now, you're a rebuilding team. Yeah. You have a couple of nice players. You have like Justin Jefferson, but you're probably going to look to try to trade Thielen and cousins at some point and rebuild and start the ship over again. So I think he's good. If you have a complete team, if you have a Super Bowl caliber roster and you need a quarterback, Kirk cousins is great for plug and play. But if you're asking to start over and need a franchise QB to start over, I don't think cousins is personally your guy. Like I thought Minnesota paid a lot for Kirk cousins. Uh, I actually thought Washington was right to just let him walk. But at the end of the day, I, I think he's legit for this year, but I wouldn't want to give Kirk Cousins a massive extension and trust the franchise with him. Now, Chuba Hubbard, which it is Chuba. I've heard a bunch of sports media people, so if you're listening, uh, say Chuba. It's not Chuba Hubbard, okay? That's not what it is. It's Chuba, get it right, do, do your research. Anywho, so Chuba Hubbard now will be taking the starting role for the Panthers in the backfield. Obviously, it's only going to be for two, maybe three weeks, depending on how long or what extends of the McCaffrey injury. And we're going to talk about how good will he be? Will he be like McCaffrey for me personally? No, I don't think so. I think this week, though, uh, my prediction will be 100 yards all purpose. So between receiving and rushing and probably about five receptions, that would be my take on the week. And I actually don't think he will have a touchdown. And I mean, a 4,000 yard rusher in three years at Oklahoma state, he's, he's good at what he does, but he's certainly no McCaffrey and they'll get Freeman in there a little bit too, to steal some, some thunder. So I would give it a above average performance, but nothing too whack, but Justin, your take. You know, I'll be honest. I was pretty high on Chubba Hubbard coming into the draft. I think he was very unfortunate. He got drafted by the Panthers because I think Hubbard could be a starter in close to half the league. I think he has a lot of Christian McCaffrey qualities minus the strength, in my opinion. I think he can be a really good receiving back. I think he's probably one of the faster backs in the league. Um, I think he it will is better than Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who are getting a ton of play time on both their teams, respectively. I had him as the third running back in this class behind Najee Harris and Travis Ntn. Uh, Chubba Hubbard, I like to call him Hubba Bubba, just like the chewing gum, you know. I think that's what his nickname should be. I absolutely love him. I think he is going to put up Christian McCaffrey level numbers while Christian McCaffrey is out. I expect him to do better 
filling this role than Mike Davis did filling this role. And on top of that, he has a Dallas team this week, which didn't get much run against them last week, but I think Hubbard is going to get a shot to really mow down this Dallas team. I'm giving Hubbard 150 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns in the game this weekend. I am all in on Hubbard. I really wish he was playing for a different team so he could actually start. But for now, he'll just have to take advantage of every opportunity that Christian McCaffrey has to go take a little nap. (laughs) And Kevin, for you, after that high praise from the Jelly. Yeah, I believe in Hubbard also just because I believe in the Panthers now. Like I've become a Panthers believer where I think the O-line has actually been much better than expected. Like going into the year, I think the only notable standout was like Cam Irving. And also I was looking at PFF and to start the year, the Panthers O-line was only rated, I think it was 30th in the league, but they performed better ahead of expectations from what I've seen. I mean, Sam Darnold has plenty of time to throw now in the pocket and Darnold's actually looking like a franchise quarterback a little bit um, in terms of just how he's reading, how he's making reads, how he's making throws, his accuracy, poise, arm talent. Um, So I think he's walking into a strong situation and the Panthers are looking again, more and more like a real good football team. That's going to make the playoffs. Um, I believe in his talent, but I also just believe in the strength of the situation. I think there's running backs that you can put in to a good team, a good old line who are mediocre and they can be outstanding. Like I've personally felt that Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers was kind of mediocre last year, but you put him behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers O line and he looks a hell of a lot more dynamic than if he was on say the Jets O line. So that's where I stand with Hubbard. I think he's talented, but I also think the Panthers are in a great spot right now. Marshall, your take on the Chew man, Chuba. So I'm lower on Chuba. Um, the reason is because I think he ran against a lot of five-man boxes. And then the concepts that they ran at Oklahoma State, I don't think he always, like, best set up his blockers. So Chuba was a player that, like, you know, and something's going to give. Like, the analytics people like him because he's, like, pretty big. He has, like, serious long speed. Um, and he was very, very productive. Um, I think that there are more flaws and warts in his game, but I'm interesting to I'm interested to see what he looks like behind this Panthers O line because they're I don't think they're going to do the stuff that he did at Oklahoma because or at Oklahoma State because what he did at Oklahoma State was almost like it was just naturally advantageous towards the way that Big Twelve defenses play and then when you have a pretty good O line like. And, like, he is good. Like, he's, I mean, he's a fourth-round draft pick. Like, I personally had a fifth-round grade on him. I wasn't as high on him. But, you know, I think that the difference between him and McCaffrey is McCaffrey, we talked about, he has this ability to, like, really take advantage of, like, really small creases on the interior run game. And he hits the, he hits the hole incredibly fast, probably the fastest out of any back in the league. Um, Chuba. I don't know, like he stylistically is somewhat similar to that, but I don't know if he's going to be able to take as much advantage on that type of stuff. Um, And I think that, like, I think he's still going to be good, but the thing with the Panthers O-line is like they, so like the, so like the Giants O-line, they're not the most, just for an example, the Giants O-line, my problem with them is that they have major, major functioning problems. Like at every single level of it, you go to the backs and pass protection, you go to the tight ends. Um, you, I mean, 
you don't block the right guy a lot of time. The Panthers are different because they function well, but talent-wise, they have about as much talent as uh, the Giants do. They just make a lot more use of it. Um, so that's kind of like the difference. They're not like this, like, you know, Cowboys 2016 line talent-wise, but they do function. And in the past game, like Joe Brady is really – like Joe Brady, the, the two people that stand out to me most um, – and this isn't even that old of a take, but Brandon Staley and, and Joe Brady – Joe Brady is is like a clear up and coming, bright, really, really smart mind. And you get a guy like Sam Darnold around him. And, you know, that's why we say quarterbacks are really situationally dependent. You get a really smart guy around them. It doesn't matter that he's 30 years old. Like he he figured this out. It's awesome. Good analysis. I love that. Now the Chiefs, we're looking at them. They are now one and two, the bottom of their division. We can all agree we didn't have that uh, prior to the year, but it's only going to be week four. So will the Chiefs turnover issues cost them a Super Bowl uh, and, and keep them in their last spot in this division? Or are they going to figure things out? What is your take on the Chiefs right now, and especially their turnover problem? And we'll go to you, Justin. Well, uh, I think the turnover problem is going to keep being an issue. Um, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should not be given up on. I think there was a huge amount of hate going out to Edwards-Hilaire after that week two result against the Ravens. Um, I don't think that's deserved. I think Edwards-Hilaire is pretty good. I think he's on a Chiefs offense where he's not really the main character. So, yeah, he's going to be kind of beaten up whenever he does something wrong because he's really just the -the under-the-radar good running back on that team. Um but as far as what like the turnovers mean for this team, as far as the rest of the season goes, it led to a loss in Arrowhead, which is shocking to me. If the Chargers won in L.A., would not surprise me at all. But winning in Kansas City was, in fact, a huge surprise to me. Um, honestly, I think the Chargers could win this division now. I think that kind of situation where the Chargers could sh- sweep the Chiefs in the regular season could lead to an opportunity for the Chargers to find their way into the top spot in the AFC West. And that could easily be meaning the Chargers get a possible number one seed and the Chiefs end up having to fight their way on the road through the wild card, which I'm not saying is going to be that hard for Patrick Mahomes, but it's definitely going to be more of a challenge. I still have them as my Super Bowl pick at the end of the day, but I think they are creating a much more challenging road for themselves already three weeks into the season. Marshall, how about you? When I watched them in week one, the thing that stood out to me is that the Chiefs were incredibly sloppy. I mean, almost to the point of, like, arrogance. Like, they they were basically playing backyard football. And it looks like Mahomes normally is playing backyard football, but they were truly playing what looked like backyard football. And they still won because that's, like, how good the Chiefs are. Um but I said to a buddy, I'm like, they're going to lose at some point this September. Like, obviously they're due and they lost the next week. Now I didn't see that. I didn't think they'd lose to the chargers. I thought this would wake them up a little. Uh, and I thought it'd be a close game, but I thought the chargers wouldn't actually win it because it's arrowhead and the chargers won. And I think that just shows that the chiefs, I don't think they're approaching this with like the right mentality. Maybe it matters. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, I, if you're involved in football, like you're nervous about this type of stuff because it's a mentality thing. And it's like one of the few things that we get insight into that team needs, it's just not doing enough things to actually win games. And it's just because it's 
it's lulled into a sense of safety. Like Mahomes before the Ravens game had was like 35 touchdowns, zero picks in September. Like there was no reason for him to be on edge. Um, and I would also like to, unlike Justin, I think we see Clyde a little bit differently. Um, Cause I looked, I was very high on Clyde pre-draft. Um, I was, I would also like to take this time to apologize to my family for having Clyde Edwards layer one spot higher than Justin Jefferson uh, on my pre-draft board. Cause I, that's a tough one. Uh, just seeing what they're both doing. And it's just, Clyde, I think there is a brighter outlook for him, but the problem is like with outside zone stuff, like he's literally just not that fast. And so I think he's an example of like traits, not fully translating. Like Justin's talking about Chuba Hubbard. Well, Chuba Hubbard could be good because Chuba Hubbard has elite traits, like really, really high end traits. And if everything pans out for him and like he actually develops in a certain way, Chuba Hubbard could be like really good. Clyde was so like productive, but I think there are parts of like Clyde's actual like evaluation um, to where I, I just think that he just, he really just like doesn't look fast, doesn't look explosive, doesn't look powerful when he's on an NFL field. And that was not the case in college. Uh, it just wasn't. And Kevin, for you on the, the Chiefs and their turnovers, and if they'll turn it around. Yeah, I'm concerned about the Chiefs because in the game, Holmes had two turnovers, but there was this is courtesy of Arrowhead Pride blog. So this is like SB Nation right here, courtesy of the fans. But uh, the fourth drive, though, this I think is like key. Or one, there was after the first three drives, there was an interception, there was a Tyreek Hill fumble, and then there was one from. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And the reason why it mattered in this game was the Chargers managed 14 points off the turnovers. So you're seeing again, like they say, don't do turnovers. It's because of that, because it directly translates to points more often than not, especially too, if you have a more than competent quarterback, you know, that you're playing against. So I didn't think for the Chiefs is that it's not just the turnovers, but the fact that because they're increasing their margin of error, they also We'll scrap that. They don't have a margin for error is what I'm saying. It's just along with the turnovers and the increased competition in their division from the Broncos, Chargers, Raiders even, who, you know, we've all made fun of in the past kind of, but again, are a serious team. Uh, They can't really just play around. They play six divisional games against competent teams. So this isn't like the AFC East or the, or the NFC East where you can just go in and then guaranteed like four wins. So I think we saw it too last year in the Super Bowl too, where against the Buccaneers, you just saw a focused team and being Tampa and then Kansas City just was completely lackadaisical, it seemed. So I think you have to question how prepared they are. And also too, they're in the tougher conference um, beyond their, just their division. So they need to straighten out the turnovers. I think they can get more focused and reduce their turnovers, but I even don't think the margin of error, I don't think they have the margin of error they had in years past because I think the talent has caught up with them in their division in the conference. All right. And hot game of week four, the game you want to watch or the world should watch. I think it's going to be shown as Patriots versus Buccaneers. I don't care. So I will care about the Cardinals Rams game. I think that'll be a good one for real football fans. I think that'll be 
Uh, two powerhouses going after it. That is my game of the week to watch. Justin, how about you? Something's really itching me toward these surprise 3-0 and teams and how they're going to perform in week four. The Cowboys-Panthers game, I think, will actually end up being really good. And I think the Broncos-Ravens game might actually be the even better game. I think if you're looking for, like, old-school grind-out football, like the Broncos-Ravens game, I think, is the game that people should be watching. I think Teddy Bridgewater, before his injury, was basically like what Lamar Jackson is right now. So, But I think Bridgewater might have been a better passer than Jackson before his injury. So... I think it's a really cool matchup to have like Bridgewater, who I would consider being really young to be like an old regiment of what Lamar Jackson is now. I think Bridgewater almost kind of paved the way for people like Jackson. Um, but I think two pretty good defenses, two okay receiving cores, but two teams that have the ability to possibly run the ball a heck of a lot. I'm really excited to see how that ground and pound game plays out. Should be fierce. Uh, Marshall, your game of the week, Tom Brady back in Foxborough. Are you excited? Oh, I'm so excited for that. But my game, so the games that I'm excited for are different from my game of the week. Okay, the games fair, I'm fair. excited for are Jags Bengals. The reason is I think the, the Jags might be the most entertaining just follow in all the sports because they're just, they're so chaotic. Um, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to keep throwing picks because he just, he's going to, He's shown that he's just trying to gun himself out of problems. And when you do that, you either do really cool stuff or you, you just keep throwing picks. And so I think he's going to keep throwing picks. Um, I don't know when it's going to stop, but I think, I think the Urban Meyer thing is like an actual disaster. I think it's going to like, it's going to continue. Um, although I don't know, like I have this very, it doesn't even make sense, but like, I, I keep wanting to, I keep holding back from it. I keep wanting to put money on the Jags. Uh, a money line every week and I, I keep not doing it luckily um, but I mean like at some point like you're you're betting this game is on Thursday night this game's gonna be so chaotic like who has any idea what's gonna happen um, and when that's the, when that's the case you should bet on like the chaotic team but the Jags also are like just terrible um, so they're really interesting and then the Browns Vikings it's almost like the that Spider-Man meme where they like are pointing at each other like the, these are basically the same teams. Um, you know, they both have a number one rusher, Daniel Hunter, Miles Garrett. They have similar quarterbacks. Minnesota has the slightly better one. Um, and just, you know, their run game, like they, they're basically, you know, Kevin Stefanski's from uh, Minnesota originally. Like this is, a, this is one of those games where it's like, what's going to give, are you just going to be who you are? Are you going to, are you going to try to like, kind of like deviate from who you normally are because you know that they know how like they they're they basically are you so this is a very interesting game because it's I, I would almost call it like a mirror game like it's it's just basically two of the same teams Kevin for you game of the week for me or game to watch sorry game to watch for me would be Seahawks 49ers because looking at it the Seahawks even though they had the rust makeup uh are one and two so lose to San Fran potentially one and three Maybe you get a little couple chirps after that game in terms of like locker room stuff, what's going on there and what's shaping up to be a highly competitive division. Uh, this game could really matter. And also too, from San Fran side of things, they lost a heartbreaker to green Bay where Aaron Rodgers just drove down the field and put like a stake in your heart basically. And now 
you know, depending on how Jimmy G performs, do the Lance murmurs get louder and louder and louder. So that I think I'm really interested in this. I mean, also too, like the San Fran cornerbacks are a different other like subplot to this too. And just again, like how the drive formulated was also just from like somehow San Fran was playing back yet at the same time, they just allowed continuous passes to Devontae Adams over the middle. It's like, how? But, you know, at the same time, I, I think, actually, I don't know who I like in this game, honestly. Like, they're, they're two troubled teams that have potential to be good, and I could, I think it could make or break the season potentially for one of two of the teams. Now our hot takes of week four. Moving on to week four. Um, I, I'm going to... I'm going to say this, and this has nothing to do with week four. It has to do with the rest of the season. Rashad Bateman, who I believe will not play this week. I think he'll play the following week. So starting week five, if you begin with that date and move to the end of the year, my hot take is Rashad Bateman will have the most receptions and yards on the Baltimore Ravens. Skipping the first four weeks. And that is if he plays week five, and that is a hot take. That is mine. Justin, yours. That will surely happen if Marquise Brown continues to forget how to catch footballs. <laughs> so, man, that man that missed so many open touchdowns the other day, it is insane to even think about. Yeah. But my hot take for this week is about the teams that are 3-0 and and the teams that are 0-3. For the 3-0 and teams, I think there will be only two 3-0 and teams left after this week out of the five. And I believe there are five, yep, five 0-3 teams. All of the 0-3 teams will be headed to 0-4 to continue their losing streaks. And those are my hot takes. Love it. Love it. Kevin, for you. Quest for one. I like it. Number one overall draft pick. Here we go, baby. Um, For me, as of right now, I got for week four, I got the Lions beating the Bears. That's my hot take. Just saying it out there randomly. Don't know why. But Lions beat the Bears. Goff goes nuts. Goth goes nuts. That'll be the that'll be the sentence we pay attention to. Goth goes nuts. Marshall, how about you? Oh, I think uh, I think Trey Lance is going to win Rookie of the Year. I think the Jets are going to win this week. Oh, okay, okay. I dig it. That was two good for you, Marshall. I know it's always hard for you because you're you're too you're too good at football, so you can't you just can't reel in the bad takes, you know. But I like that. I like that. Um, All right. So before we do our NFL week four predictions, we're going to do college football predictions for four pretty good matchups. And to give a little teaser into next week, we're not going to talk about it this week, but we're going to mention what Marshall just talked about in Trey Lance. Should he be starting and when? And I know Marshall basically already said at the beginning of the show that he should be as well as just now, but we'll talk about that next week. For now, these college football matchups, are as follows. The two-seed Georgia against eight Arkansas, seven Cincinnati versus nine Notre Dame, and one Alabama versus 12 Ole Miss, and 19 Oklahoma State versus 21 Baylor. So we're going to go right through those. Uh, Georgia versus Arkansas. Actually, we'll just do all of them. So for myself, I have Georgia beating Arkansas. Georgia will score no more than 24 or 28 points but I don't see Arkansas scoring more than 10 themselves. I, I think this one's the game of the week, Cincinnati and Notre Dame, in terms of I have no idea who's going to win. Um, 
I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Cincinnati. This is their time to finally prove themselves and even think about squirting into the playoffs. I have them by four. And Alabama, Old Miss, Alabama by less than you think, but they'll win. And Oklahoma State and Baylor, I have Baylor pulling this one out by a touchdown. Justin, for you. Yeah, I, I got to do it. I'm going with Arkansas this week over UGA. I honestly think that Arkansas has this weird, sneaky offense that I don't completely understand. They have this new head coach with no head coaching experience whatsoever. And obviously, the element of surprise is working so far. So I will say the element of surprise continues, and Arkansas rides the wave of coming out of the SEC basement. I will also give Notre Dame the win. We all were kind of out on Notre Dame last week. I can't doubt them again this week. So give me Notre Dame, Alabama over Ole Miss. And I I like Baylor over Oklahoma State a lot. I actually think that game might not even be close. I think Baylor might destroy them. Yeah, they've they've turned it around for sure. Uh, Marshall, for you. I like – sorry, let me pull this up here. So for the first game, I like Georgia. Um, I just think that, you know, Arkansas, like they're better than expected. Um, but I think that Georgia, I just think the defense is going to be suffocating. And I think that, as you guys mentioned, I think it's going to be really low scoring. Um, and I just think that Georgia, like they thrive in these types of games. Um, and I just think that they can pull this one out. Cincinnati, Notre Dame, always going to bet against Notre Dame this year. I am on the Cincinnati train. I, I think Cincinnati – they, they clean this one up. Let's get, let's go Desmond Ritter. Uh, and then Alabama Ole Miss. I think that this is closer than people think. Um, I think that Alabama still wins it. I think this is a game that they actually don't cover. And for Oklahoma state Baylor, I think that Baylor drops this one after the, after their win last week, I think Baylor is going to drop this one. And I think they're going to win against BYU. You can't have that happen with your brother there. He's going to have to fix know. that. <laughs> yeah, well, Matt got COVID and couldn't go to this game. Ah, oh, dang. Yeah, dude, it dang. sucked. He had, he had tickets to it and everything. And uh, my mom actually flew out there. So very wow. inconvenient time for him to get it. Oh, that's so sad, man. Sorry about that. Jeez, yeah. jeez. Um, well, we hope your mom has fun. Um, <laughs> Kevin, for you. So for me, I am going to go Georgia over Arkansas. They're a feel-good story, but Georgia is a legit playoff team, especially with the, again, suffocating defense and also too. You can just bang on them with the run, I think, for Georgia, and it might be, I don't know, potentially lights out by halftime, depending how hardcore Georgia wants to go. Um, I don't know. Notre Dame, like Jack Cohn is playing. Williams still in the backfield. I mm, yeah, I'll go Notre Dame. I'll go Notre Dame wins. But I think it's a close game, unlike the Wisconsin game towards the end of the fourth quarter last week. Um, I'm going to go Bama over Ole Miss. And, yeah, I'm going to go Baylor. Why not? Because of Matt, Matt Marshall. So I'm going to go because of Matt Marshall, Baylor. But uh, I don't know, college football, like I will say this, though. Um, we're looking at potentially four. We're looking at two maybe different playoff teams than in years past. So, I'm hyped about that. I'm really rooting against Ohio State to lose because um, Clemson's out, and I want to take down two of the big giants, the big titans. Dude, I want Oklahoma to go down too. They were booing their own man. They were booing their own man, Spencer Rattler. That yeah, was they, uh, they hated Rattler. 
How do you guys feel about Rattler personally? Uh, <laughs> he's overhyped. He always was. I, I've always yeah. said that. But he's certainly not bad at football, like their fans seem to think. But he's very overhyped. <laughs> that's my that's my take. All Just- I know is that Penn State is top four right now, and that's <laughs> all that matters. Who cares about Rattler? He's gonna get trashed on. Give me Penn State all day. <laughs> See, here's the thing, right? So I I really don't like Penn State, but I also really don't like Ohio State, and I'm sick of seeing Ohio State. So, you know, if it needs to be, I guess Penn State would have to be the option in there, unless Oregon keeps winning or Iowa keeps winning. Yeah, I was so like, that'll be tight. Iowa then. <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll yeah. be tight. Um, if, if Oregon loses ever, they're also out. So uh, that'll be a tight last, like, six teams to get the last two spots will be really close. And if Georgia loses throughout the year, they're also like another spot. So yeah, right there. Interesting. You said Penn state, because you're right. Ohio state, you know, their fans are rowdy, but the potential hellscape that is Penn state lacks bros and that whole just environment. Oof. Tough scene. Tough scene. <laughs> week, week four predictions for the NFL, by the way, appreciation sentence for Gus Johnson, who called two of the sickest games last weekend in college football, followed by uh, the return kick six from the Jaguars that Marshall was talking about. I mean, my God, that guy just makes every game more fun. So just wanted to say that. Okay. Thursday, tomorrow, we are recording on a Wednesday. Um, so don't shoot us if we're wrong and you hear this after the game. Okay, Jaguars, Bengals, Thursday night football, boys. Oh, sorry, before we go on, Justin's going to give our records. Um, Again, prep is just like last week. I believe I went under 500, so don't shoot me again. It's been a rough couple, four weeks. Okay, Justin, go. The Andrews tied for first this past week at 10 and 6 apiece. Wait, I, wow, beats me. Okay, that's great. Nice. I went 9 and 7 and Kev went 8 and 8. Marshall Oof. is currently in the lead at 30 and 18 with Kev in second at 28 and 20. I'm in third with 27 and 21 and Whitey is still bringing out the rear at 26, 22, only a four game difference between first and last though. All right. All right. We came back a little bit. Good job. Team Whitey. Okay. Jaguars and Bengals. I got the Bengals in this one with Chase getting another two touchdowns. Justin for you. I am going with Cincinnati. All righty, Marshall. The value is on the money line, but since I'm still going with Cincinnati, but yeah, I'm going with Cincinnati on this one. All right. Jacksonville covers the spread. That's my Agreed, agreed. I got the bungles by two touchdowns. (laughs) I think Trevor Lawrence keeps on throwing picks, unfortunately. Steelers versus Packers. Not sure why this is first on my screen as a 425 game, but I will regretfully say the Packers. And Justin. Green Bay is going to win 30 to 23. Marshall. Green Bay on this one. Kevin. We go Green Bay. Touchdown. The Washington football team, who may never change their name, and the Falcons. I get well. The football team by a score. Justin. I'm also going with Taylor Heineke in the football team. Marshall. We're going with the football team here. Three three for three. Okay, Kevin. There is the Ohio State and there is the football team. I'm going the Washington football team by seven points. 
This is the first week in a row we've been saying the same thing for the first few games. Very interesting. Okay, Texans, Bills. Oh, what are we going to say about this one? Uh, I got I got the Bills. My line, two scores. Justin. I am going tough one. I'm going Buffalo, though. 38 to 24. <laughs> tough one, 38 24. Marshall. I guess I'm going Buffalo and to cover. Um, yeah, that, I see that cover's picture. hot. I would have taken the Texans at 17 and a half. I'll take the Bills at 15 and a half. Kevin. My NFL app tells me that rookie QBs are one and four versus Buffalo in the Sean McDermott era. So I'm going to go Bills and they cover the spread. All right. Lions versus Bears. This one we might actually have some differences on. I think the Lions will come up with this one. TJ Hawkinson will recover. DeAndre Swift will break through that Bears defense. And, uh, Fields still can't play yet. 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 Justin. You know, you don't know if it's going to be Justin Fields. You don't know if it's going to be Nick Foles. I don't care who it is. It's Chicago at home. I'm taking Chicago. All right. That's a fair take. Marshall. Chicago at home. I mean, this is a dumpster fire game, but we'll we'll take Chicago at home in the points. Kevin. You know, I, I reported a fact in my last decision, but I don't, I don't respond to all facts. The Bears are 5-1 versus Detroit in the Matt Nagy era. I'm going to pick the Lions regardless. I think DeAndre Swift goes off. And like I said, Jared Goff goes nuts. Lions win the game. Uh, I'm going to say by field goal. All right. Panthers-Cowboys, Justin's game of the week. I think the Cowboys in Dallas will come up with this one. So Cowboys for me. Justin. Yeah, I got to go with Dallas at the end of the day. I think the Panthers will make it close. I think it'll be 33-27, but I can't, they can't stop that offense. Marshall? I think the Panthers win this one. Uh, yeah, I, I like the Panthers to cover the spread and win. Uh, Kevin? Ooh, um, I'm going to go Cowboys by a touchdown. All right. I my record that one. <laughs> Colts versus the Dolphins. The Dolphins will make sure the Colts are still 0-4. I got the Dolphins. Justin? This game was put on everyone's list at the beginning of the season because everyone knew it was going to be a Jacoby Brissett revenge game. Give me Jacoby Brissett going against the Colts. (laughs) Marshall? I'm going with the Colts here. Yeah, I just just can't with, uh, with the Brissett thing. And Kevin. I'm going to say Dolphins in a close one by seven. Okay. Browns and Vikings. I think the Vikings are going to win this one. I think they will in Minnesota. And Justin. Miles Garrett looks hot. I think he stays hot. I'm going Browns 27-24. Marshall. Minnesota plays really good at home and probably has the better quarterback. I think Cleveland wins this one still. I think Cleveland still wins it. Kevin. I'm going to go Browns winning this game. Uh, I think it's close. I think it's like a field goal game. All right. And now moving on to the Giants versus the Saints. Oh, man. I think this will be closer than it may seem. And I'm going to give the Giants their first dub. The Giants will win this one. Justin. I'm not doubting Jameis Winston this week. I'm going 30-23 Saints. Uh, Marshall. 
Uh, there's one team in the in the whole NFL that's on my do not bet list. It is the New York Giants. I would take their side of the spread, but who knows what's going to happen? It's James Winston and Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett. <laughs> Kevin. Yes, yeah, a no-brainer for me. Saints, two scores, thump them, and a safety. Saints win. Okay, and a safety. There it is. That's the game of the week with the safety. Titans, Jets. The Jets will still be 0-4. I got the Titans in not a close one. Justin. I think they're going to keep this close as Corey Davis tries to have his own revenge game this week, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm taking the Titans 21-13. Marshall. Jets win this one outright. And my Zach Wilson Offensive Rookie of the Year bet, which I hedged this weekend with Trey Lance. So now we got (laughs) two guys we're rooting for. But that one, you know, this is going to be CPR for that bet. So the Jets went out, right? Okay. CPR. Love it. Kevin? So fact from the NFL app says the Jets are owned four in games following shutout losses since 2014. So I got the Titans winning. King Henry gets the Jets gemstone. Puts it in his crown, completing it like Thanos. So uh, I got the Titans winning. Okay. Chiefs, Eagles, do either of these teams recover? Oh, man. Sometimes I actually hate going first because I have a take before the show, and then when I read it, I'm like, eh. Um, I, I think the Chiefs really need to bounce back, and so do the Eagles. But I think the Chiefs will wake up. As Marshall mentioned, they're just playing backyard football, so – I think they'll figure it out in this one. So I got Chiefs. Uh, Justin. I think with the help of Josh Gordon rooting on from the sideline on his, with his practice squad jersey on, I think the Chiefs will win. I'm going to say 30 to 24. And Marshall. Chiefs win this game. The spread's interesting. Do you guys have it at seven or seven and a half? Uh, seven. I think last time I looked at it, I had it. No, it was at seven. You're right. Yeah. I see it at seven right now. I guess I'll go Philly, but I mean, yeah, I'll go Philly because it's seven points at home. But yeah, this, I mean, Kansas City can wake up at any moment, but like they didn't, they haven't shown signs of it. Kevin. So Kansas City's allowed, according to my NFL fact thing, 31.7 points per game this season. It's the most in the NFL. I'm still taking them. I think both teams score over 30. Um, Chiefs win. I don't, I don't know if I like the spread because I feel like it could be closer than that. I feel like it could be a field goal type game. Okay. And Cardinals-Rams, two powerhouses playing against each other. I got the Rams at home. Uh Stafford's still putting up some numbers on that Cardinals D. Justin? I love division games at home. I'm going to go with the Rams. 33-27. Marshall? I'm going with the Rams and to cover, like I'm here. Kevin? I'm going to go Cardinals by a touchdown. I think they break the Rams' streak and have them come back to earth a little bit. I think Kyler Murray uh, has a great game. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, Seahawks versus Garoppolo. <laughs> um, I Seahawks, they will make themselves a 500 program. Justin. Both teams look pretty deflated right now, in my opinion. I think San Francisco is going to figure it out. 
I'm going to give it to them 24-21. Marshall. I think Russell Wilson back, bounces back here. I think this is the last time Jimmy Garoppolo starts again. <laughs> Not a bad take. Kevin. Man, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to go Seahawks. Do they lose again at home? Yeah, okay, 49ers lose again at home. Uh, Russ Cooks, question mark? Probably. I, I mean, I'm going to say yes because, again, the Rams, I mean, the 49ers corners have just been banged up this year, um, depleted units. So I'll go Russ Cooks. I'll go touchdown and field goal. Okay, Ravens, Broncos. The Broncos will be 4-0. That's my take. Justin? I said there would be two 4-0 teams after this week. One was going to be from that Rams-Cardinals game. The other is going to be right here. I am taking Denver the win. Marshall? I'm going to make it 21-17. You're good. You're good. I was thinking. Marshall? I like the Broncos here. I think the Ravens have been very fortunate lately, and I, I think that the Broncos' defense is for real. Kevin? We got the Broncos by seven, and John Elway is mulling over ways to get Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay as we speak. <laughs> I would have never thought we would have all chosen the Broncos. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ride or die. Hot takes, baby. We're all over it. Buccaneers versus Patriots. Uh, the least exciting game of the week. I got the Buccaneers in this one. Justin. We were not the most exciting sports podcast this week as Richard Sherman announced that he is joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we're still the most, we're the second most exciting podcast and we support each other. So I'll give it to the Richard Sherman Bucks to win this week, even though he probably isn't playing. <laughs> Marshall. What's the line that, that we're going off of? Uh, well, we're still doing money line, but it is seven for oh, the Buccaneers. still doing money line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the spread, but yeah, bucks for the money line. Tom's not losing this game. Kevin. So the Patriots Super Bowl hopes lived with Tom Brady, and now they will die without Tom Brady. Uh, Buccaneers win by, I, I want to say, two scores. Um, Patriots complete their arc as the Chicago Bulls of the NFL being great when they had an all-time great, but now heading into prolific mediocrity, like the Bulls. Raiders, Chargers, Monday night football. One of the more exciting Monday night football games we may have this year. Chargers, Raiders. I got the Chargers and Mike Williams still dropping more tutties. He'll get another one for himself. Justin. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the over-under being insane on this game. I think it's definitely going to be under. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. It might have been 48 or something like that. I'm going under, and I think the Chargers are going to win 24-20. Marshall. I think the Uh, Chargers... But before you continue, it's 52.5. Oh, yeah, that's insane. There's no way. (laughs) I think the the Chargers win this. I think it's exactly a field goal game. Okay. And Kevin, finish it off. I think the Chargers win higher-end quarterback at home uh, against, like, a mediocre... Raiders defense so I'm going to give it to the Chargers here all right and that is QU hot takes predictions for this coming week we'll see how we fare next week hey all of us are positive on the year I guess money line isn't that hard but I'm sure most people 
you know, and that's not true because if you were always positive on money line, everybody would just do that and make money. So that's not true. Uh, we are doing a good job and we will continue to do so. Uh, this has been Q Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Kevin Slattery, Andrew Marshall, and Justin Ellis. This is me saying sweet dreams. It's a great day to be alive and go dogs. Go Phillies for probably the last time this year. Shout out to the Yanks making the playoff push, but also shout out to Marcus Simeon. He hit his 44th home run tonight. So now he is the most of any second baseman in NL or AL history. So huge accomplishment. Um, I mean, just some of the home run numbers on the Blue Jays alone. They have like a murderer's row of sluggers on there. It's incredible. Go Bills. Shout out Bryce Del Bianca for absolutely no reason. What's up, buddy? Wait, is he... Wait, you can't be listening. We're not live. I love Bryce. No, okay, I'm just going to send it to him later. <laughs>